Hi, this is Jim Shores. And I'm Carol Anderson Shores. And together we're Acts of Renewal. And thank you for joining us on the front porch where we just have some real conversation about stuff of marriage, <laughs> hopefully adding some humor, some heart, and some kind of just real practical perspectives to help encourage your relationship. So today we are looking again at... Communication. And specifically, we are going to be talking again about listening. Now, we say again because our first podcast, we looked at some real practical things about listening. But we want to look today at a secret ingredient that this brings for a better marriage. And we're going to unpack that. Now, Jim has a doctorate in communications, but he's also an actor. Yeah, so I'm one of those actor doctorate people you know they're so common (laughs) but carol and i have uh, made a living uh, doing theater uh, and speaking around the country and using story which we want to bring into this today to just um, add some fun to this as we kind of try to understand better this whole thing so we're going to use some theater uh, today Imagine you come home to your loving spouse. You've had a hard day. Your boss has gone on a power binge. Uh, Yeah, Jake, I heard you worked on that proposal for over a month, did a lot of detailed research for all those findings. It's a very impressive team you put together. But yeah, I think I'm just going to go in a different direction. Not doing due process on this one. But um, thanks for working on it. Then you find out a colleague is gossiping about you. Jake, Andrea in promotion the other day said that you and your team were trying to go around your boss with that proposal you worked on because you're mad because she ignored it. Uh, what? No, like, that's not true at all. Like, that's just complete fiction. I don't know. That's what she said. And then you just saw a bill in the mailbox that is too much. I'm a medical bill you can't afford that you weren't expecting. It should have been covered by insurance, but someone made a clerical error, and now you're going to have to spend two hours on the phone with insurance clearing this up. So, good luck with that. But you know that very soon your loving spouse is going to be there to listen to you, to hear your heart, and to understand you. So you walk in the door and... How was your day? The worst. Um, Me too. Oh, you want to know what my boss did? Oh, well, actually, I was going to tell you about my boss. Well, that's fine. I mean, sure, fine. If you don't feel that you can listen. I do want to listen. It's just... Okay, so let's hear you first, since my boss doesn't want to listen to any suggestions I have. You don't want to listen to me either. I mean, why should anybody listen to me, for that matter? What? Oh, honey, that's ridiculous. Oh, no, don't make fun of me. Did did you hear me making fun of you just then? You said I was ridiculous. Well, I said your logic was ridiculous. Oh, so now I'm not logical. Is that because I'm a woman? You sound just like my boss. Wait, your boss is a woman, too. That? What does that have to do with anything? Because you just said... Wait, I'm confused. Well, you wouldn't be if you just listened to me in the first place. But... But you obviously you don't want to, so I'll just be in the other room. Hey, you know what? I had a bad day, too. Oh, don't even start with me. So, you have walked in the door, and by the 60-second mark, you guys are in an argument. So, what just happened? Well, what just happened is married couples can be terrible at really listening to each other. A 2013 poll of 100 mental health professionals found that poor communication is the number one reason couples split up. And this one I thought was really interesting. 218 study at Bowling Green University found that poor communication is a top reason for the rise of divorce among older couples. So, 
If you grew up in a home that maybe was dysfunctional... Uh, like mine? Yeah. When it comes to communication, I didn't even know, really. I had to learn stuff out of books. I had to try to figure out what is healthy communication because I was not modeled in my home by my parents. They did love each other, but communication was a weak area. So part of our passion about trying to do a podcast like this is to kind of help people like me who just never had, uh, was never given the learning skills to be able to apply it into marriage and understand how it can make a good difference. And I'm sure we all think that we listen well, but I'm here to tell you we might not be listening as well as we think. And if you just missed that, it might be because you weren't listening. It's so easy to space out. So we get a great example of this from... uh, This was right after a military marriage conference. We were just kind of uh, getting some feedback from some of the couples, and here was one. We talk all the time, but we don't communicate. Well, we talk a lot. We just don't really communicate. Oh, wait, is that what she said? I just said that. Oh, she did say that. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about, you know, what kind of listening doesn't work, and why don't we listen well? And then finally, we're going to talk about a surprising antidote for all of this non-listening. And I do want to say, if you missed our previous podcast, we gave a great tool for how to listen well. So, And it's pretty easy to do. So what does listening not look like? Hey, guess who I ran into at Walmart? Huh? Guess who I ran into at Walmart? Uh, who? What are you reading? Oh, I'm looking at animal friendships on Instagram. You know, like a donkey and a cat make friends and snuggle. Uh, Okay. So anyway, guess who I ran into? Who? Jan. That's awesome. I know, right? They took a trip to see Brooke in Tucson. I didn't know they went to Tucson. And guess what they found out? Uh Uh-huh. No, guess what they found out? Found out what? The Brooke is having a baby. A baby what? Human. Who's human? Brooke is, last I checked. They didn't think she could have a baby, so it's kind of a miracle. Right. So you should call her. Call her what? Well, she's your niece. When did you talk to Brooke? Not Brooke, Jan, at Walmart, just now. You are not listening to me. Of course I'm listening to you. You're the most important person in my life. You're totally bluffing. I am not, but look at this picture of a baby tiger snuggling with a llama. Isn't that cute? You're unbelievable. Thanks. So are you. So, in this humorous little uh, scene, he's giving the form of listening without actually listening, and that doesn't work. This is basically where you fake listen, and you think you can get away with it, but you can't for very long. So, why would anyone fake listen? Well, laziness. Listening takes work, and sometimes we just don't want to. When our son was three years old, Xander... He used to, like, something would just be too difficult for him. He would just kind of sit down in a huff, and his lower lip would go out, and he'd be like, too hard, too hard. So sometimes we are actually shocked that marriage takes actual work. In a recent article on marriage in Christianity Today, Mark Regnerus said, self-sacrifice is a learned behavior not a gift for your 30th birthday. But we can ask the question, who in our lives is modeling self-sacrifice for us, you know? 
I mean, how are we even supposed to know what that looks like? I mean, if we grew up with parents who didn't practice this stuff, self-sacrifice comes maybe as a complete surprise to us. But getting back to just this whole listening thing, like you mentioned there's more than one ways yeah. that we don't listen. So we're going to look at a second one. We're going to take that same couple, same scenario, and uh, let's see if we can guess what this problem with listening is. So guess who I ran into at Walmart? Look, I know I said I'd go to the store, but I couldn't get the lawnmower started. So I had to go to Bill and get him to come over, take a look at it. And then he couldn't figure it out. So three trips, three trips to the hardware store later, we got that thing going. So you're welcome. Uh, the yard looks great. Uh, thank you. But that's not at all where I was going. I just wanted to tell you that I saw Jan at the store. Oh, right. And she complained I never called her back, right? Well, you tell her the reason for that is she will not get off the phone. She didn't mention you. She told me Brooke is going to have a baby. <gasps> My favorite niece is pregnant. Why didn't you tell me? I tried, but you kept interrupting. So sometimes we speak before listening because we think we know where this conversation is going and we're going to get out in front of it and head it off at the pass. In other words, we are going to defend ourselves based on where we think the conversation is going. So in this piece, his interrupting is because he's like become defensive and negative, like she's guilting him or something about not having gone to the store himself. So, but it comes out in his voice, body language, defensiveness of his words. And it's, it's all because he thought the wife, my character, was going to criticize him. So why would we do this? Well, sometimes we take shortcuts in our listening, you know. There's uh, a theory called elaboration likelihood method. That's a really fancy title. Uh, but it's a communication theory by Petty and Cachopo that says, you know, people will sometimes like buy a red sports car and never read like the actual specs on the car. They just really bought it because it was red and it looked sexy. Or I might, um, you know, <laughs> we bought a dog that uh, was really cute. We uh, never asked what the breed was of this dog. Yeah, it was a rescue dog. And um, he just, you know. He was he, so cute. He was so cute. And it was like the worst puppy I've ever raised. And I love dogs and I love animals. But this thing was like, the worst. The worst. And now we love him to death. And he's a fantastic adult dog. But maybe we should have uh, made a decision based on more than just the peripheral cue of his cuteness. So if anybody gets an Appenzeller, it's a Swiss mountain dog they receive their brain at a year and a half yeah just saying <laughs> but back to listening this elaboration likelihood method means that we will jump to a conclusion about something um based on very little information correct and we just really don't listen and we just base our reaction off of some peripheral cue and if i'm honest i do this a lot so you want to talk about that carol oh He'll, he'll kind of like, he'll just tell me, he'll take a look at some expression on my face. And I could be thinking about something completely irrelated to this present moment. And he will tell me um, a whole scenario of what I'm thinking and how that <laughs> relates to him and what that means for the day. And I'm just like going, I don't even know what you're talking about because that's not at all what I was thinking. Like at all. Seriously, this gets me in trouble all the time. So don't engage in shortcut listening. Actually, listen. You know, if we or ask, what's that expression on your face? What are you thinking? <laughs> That's another good one. Go ahead. No, it's that's the absolute truth. 
So if you remember back to the bad day scenario at the beginning of the of the podcast, kind of coming home from work, the wife was kind of doing some of the shortcut listening as well. She was sort of assuming where the conversation was going to go due to the shortcut listening, and it got both of them into an argument. Yeah, that thing where you take one word or phrase from the actual sentence and jump way ahead as to what that means, and it turns into all kinds of crazy conflict. Let's jump tracks here for two seconds, though. Okay. Yeah. So you want to talk about... Yeah, well, we've been talking a lot about the listening side of this. But what about the person who's talking? Because there's some responsibility there in just how we're talking, how we're presenting, how we are engaging. So are you a person that kind of enters a room talking and exits a room talking? We all know those people. And and unfortunately, sometimes I have been that. I mean, if I'm going to be honest. So I want to grab another communication theory here. It has a fancy long name, Coordinated Management of Meaning by uh, the researchers Pearson Cronin. And it has this term in there that I think is really useful. It's dialogic communication, which basically says we are to speak in a way the other person can hear and listen in a way the other person can speak. So let me say that again. You need to speak in a way that the other person can hear you. And you've got to listen in a way that the other person feels like they can speak. So this is a really useful thing to bear in mind to like, am I just talking on and on and blathering or am I have, do I have an angry tone or am I listening in a very defensive posture that the other person feels like they aren't welcome to speak? So to break that down into like real life, often there can be with, let's just say in a couple where mm-hmm. one person is the more talkative, mm-hmm. but sometimes that over talkative develops because the other spouse is not as talkative. And when you get things asking, how was their day? You get fine, okay. Good. Good. It's like takes a lot to get them to talk, to pull it out of them. And and so based on this theory Mm -hmm. and this whole thing of responsible speaking, what's going on with that? Responsible speaking means you have to actually say words that reveal something about your interior life. And... In doing some reading about this, I found that more often for men who are quiet, speaking can feel like a trap, potentially. Like, I'm going to reveal my interior life to you, and then you're going to get mad at me, and now we're going to be in an argument. And so I think about that couple. Um, we did a marriage event where we were speaking, performing at in, um, in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. It was last right. spring. Yep. And um, there was... Uh, this great group of people from um, Staten Island. Staten Island, yes, yep. they were very New York, and they were delightful. They were just this greatest group of people, and very honest about their marriage stories. And mm-hmm. and so, um, one couple, um, the the husband, the guy, he was telling Jim all oh. about the history of their marriage and basically how their marriage completely turned around from where it had been. Yeah. But he talked about this. Can you? Oh yeah. So he was a big like Italian guy who worked out a lot and he's got this Italian Staten Island accent that I cannot do justice to but he's basically like yeah you know she wants me to talk about what's going on inside of me and I'm thinking 
I'm not going to tell you that. So finally, I'm like, okay, you want to know? Here's what's going on with me. And she's like, you think that? What? I'll tell you why you can't think that. I can't that's believe stupid. you. That's stupid. I can't believe you. Would t- and so it was like, so forgive me if I never talk about what's going on in my head. Now, here's the same one who she's going, I'm just going to leave you. That's what I'm going to do. And he threw all, he started throwing her clothing and stuff out the front door into the front yard. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy. But and, then they came to know Christ. And, and if you talk about does this faith in God make any difference in a marriage, this story of how things completely turned around and it was because of her like it she changed first and he couldn't figure it out he's late waiting for the next uh shoe to drop drop. that that's going to go back to the just the awful stuff that had been going on but it didn't and she was doing a lot of what we're talking about this whole thing of really listening really communicating is serving one another out of love Mm -hmm. and she started really looking at their marriage is about serving him out of love and um, and the work they invested really by the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. which she said was the only way this could have happened. Um, just everything started changing. This group of couples that they had with them, there was about five couples that came mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. They just keep talking about how their marriage turned around. They all want to go, how did that happen? And so they bring them to these retreats and they were just wonderful but there's such an example that this communication stuff that you can kind of say oh yeah yeah more things we need to do is like really super helpful when you want a marriage to become a good marriage or get better the stuff really works yeah so there's a 2015 psychology today article that i read by marty nemko on why men don't listen and he maintains that men think they're going to be blamed or criticized if they share what's on their heart and so that gets us into the whole realm of self-preservation like if i speak or if i listen i'm kind of ceding ground to you i'm going to lose control i'm going to get blamed somehow i'm going to, it's going to be all my fault so it's better not to engage so yeah the self-preservation can also be something like, I don't just don't want to make this worse. If I open the floodgates of something my spouse is already overreacting to or something my spouse is, is just kind of over-focused on, that's not good. I'm actually helping my spouse if we don't talk about it, as in, I already sent the bill in late. So if you're mad about it, but there's nothing I can do at this point to change reality. So what's the benefit of either of us if we if, if we talk about it and you just start berating me more for it? So let's just... I'm just not going to talk at all. Right. And really, this boils down to selfishness, if we're honest. When you say selfishness, though, I mean, we can say that that's self-preservation. Some people might argue about that or mm-hmm. see right. that as sort of important. But um, where else can selfishness come in? Well, kind of like, I just want to talk about me. Thank you very much. Are we back to me yet? Are you still talking about you? Let me know when you're done talking. But enough about me. What do you think about me? (laughs) You know, it's inherent to our fallen nature. And Tim Keller, he says in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, which we really say is a great resource, The Meaning Mm -hmm. of Marriage by Tim Keller. Um, We like him a lot. And he maintains that self-centeredness is the cancer that threatens every marriage. It creates a downward spiral of self-pity, anger, despair, as we are constantly offended by our spouse's self-centeredness but blind to our own. Yeah. Let me repeat that because it's sort of, mm, 
it's a little prick there. Um, we are constantly offended by our spouse's self-centeredness, but blind to our own. So the only thing, the only way we can combat this is with supernatural help. I mean, we have to spend time with God, filling up with his Holy Spirit, knowing that he loves us, experiencing that love so that we have enough love in the bank, so to speak, that we can afford to spend our energy loving um, a person who at times is sort of challenging to love or unlovable in our opinion and our self-centered, you know, opinion. So this whole thing that Tim Keller's looking at is having love from a supernatural source that is not dependent on the ebbs and flows of how our spouse treats us, but is from a, a place of the one who knows us and loves us more than we even know the meaning of love is God, and knowing him changes us. Mm. So because love means doing loving things, you know, like making a meal, choosing to overlook a sarcastic remark, turning on the light for someone, <laughs> we're just having this discussion, going out to the car to retrieve something in the cold, which I hate to do, and Jim does it for me all the time, <laughs> which I really appreciate. But we have a story about this. Um, Carol was mad at me this morning. It's It's been ironic, because we've been having a lot of arguments lately as we've worked on these uh, About pod- this communication uh, podcast. Exactly. So <laughs> just kind of hilarious. It's just, yeah. So, yeah, lest you think we're perfect we are not we are Uh, on the journey with everyone else and god's shown us some good things along the way that's right but keep going so so carol was mad at me this morning because i went to bed and did not leave a light on for her in the adjoining bathroom so that she had to now stumble in the dark trip uh, over the dog trip uh, over the shoes that's right i bashed into the door which (laughs) kind of like went against the whole reason why you had the lights out was he's he's a very sensitive sleeper and so he's got sort of these precision markings that he needs to go right, to sleep. Right, I want complete darkness, but it doesn't help if there's large bang banging noises, right? And and my it's my wife's face against a door. So instead of retaliating against me this well, morning I didn't do that ever. But what instead of retaliating in some way, shape or fashion, she made an Epsom salt foot bath for us to share while we talked about this podcast that had lavender in it and she brought out cranberry juice mixed with spritzer water and we sat there with a blanket over our shoulders because it was cold and rainy this morning here in Kentucky and you know the reason she did that was self-sacrifice she was putting me first love is a verb and she maybe didn't feel all that loving towards me, but she knew she needed to be loving. And so she was loving. And then the love really began to flow, you know, between us. So as Tim Keller puts it, seek to serve one another rather than to be happy. And you will find a new and deeper happiness. I'll say that again, seek to serve one another rather than seeking to be happy. And you will find a new and deeper happiness. So, the word self-sacrifice always sounds like a burden, like you've got to move stones, drag stones up a hill. But that's not it. And and I do have to say, I wasn't mad. I just was like... <laughs> I'd be mad if I bumped into a wall. No, actually what was cool was I finally talked about it and said, you know, this it would be helpful 
um, because my schedule does not always work out the same as yours. If maybe you could leave a crack in the bathroom door with the light on just so I can see where I'm going when I go in there to find the bathroom. Anyway, it, it, it worked out because actually we're in process too and we actually use these very concepts to kind of work that out. Now for me, he's looking at a self-sacrifice. I, I thought it was a, kind of like a fun idea and it would make a memory and it'd be fun to try that out, that foot bath idea. Also because we're in a pandemic and as we're with each other a lot, you've got to find some ways to not just work through communication issues, but also find ways to just give and love and try to make um, a lot of moments we have together just a little more special. So we were doing that. So we're going to spend more time on this idea in some other podcasts, um, you know, just like having devotions together. But you have to know that you're loved by God and experience that love so that you can overcome your own self-centeredness to be able to give to another person. But what does listening look like? Um, there is a term from that coordinated management of meaning communication theory, and it's this term or this phrase is really helpful. And it simply says this, that we can become a curious participant in the other person's reality, right? Become a curious participant in the other person's reality. The idea that I'm not going to lose my identity if I listen to you I'm not going to necessarily lose the fight or lose the battle, and I might just discover something I never knew. So I had a student, and all my students in my classes, they kind of like really listen when I say that, that you know, curious participant idea. And I had one student follow me downstairs after class to my office, and he said, you know, my girlfriend and I, we fight all the time. And he just said, I suddenly realized I don't always have to defend myself. Like I can just listen to her and be a curious participant in her reality. And I can just do that. Right. It's so simple. So in a previous podcast. So, yeah, we we in our first one, we kind of walked through um, a talking stick exercise. That is a great way to learn how to really listen to each other, especially if, like me, you did not grow up in families that taught you how to do any of this. The skill of learning to listen was amazing to me and this idea of just being a curious participant in the other person's reality it means that it's not about i don't have to win or battle or fight or convince that my side was better all i have to do is just listen to what was going on kind of like if you had two cameras going and say one was following uh, Jim last night as he was getting ready for bed and he knows his schedule and what he needs to be able to fall asleep and he says well you know I'm going I'm going to bed now and that's what I'm doing and meanwhile I'm out there finishing whatever I was finishing on the computer and the camera is following me I don't see him getting ready for bed he doesn't see me finish what I'm working on but these two cameras follow each of our experiences. So when we talk about this in the morning, I get to see what the camera was doing following him and his routine to get ready for bed. He gets to watch mine and see me and maybe I'm talking about what I'm feeling or thinking or whatever. So basically we're just taking in each other's reality and suddenly you get the, the irritation or the anger gets taken away because you're just kind of seeing a little from each other's point of view. 
And um, yeah, it's amazing how that can help and in I might communication. Just, yeah, and I might just understand you better. So what have we talked about? We've talked about what it looks like to not listen well and why maybe we don't listen well. And then we talked a little bit here about what good listening might look like. And that listening honestly makes marriage a lot easier because you're going to come to understand one another. And we aren't constantly mad at each other, right? Because we weren't listening. So it's a good thing. I'm going to close us with this scripture. This is from James 1. And it simply says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so this is out of James 1.19. And taken out of context, you can say, yeah, that's right. That's good. Got to do that. That will help. I'm going to try that. And you'll go so far and realize that on our own, we simply can't. That We just need the power of the Holy Spirit that help me, help me, help me, Jesus, to get through this next thing, to listen, to hear. Give me the strength and the power that I don't have on my own to do this. And that is the greatest secret. Not so secret secret. It's all through scripture. It's really been the ingredient in our marriage that enables us to grow, keep growing, and keep loving each other and learn how to love each other better is that presence of God's love within us and the strength to love each other in the way that's right. We hope you've enjoyed our time with you. We've enjoyed our time with you. Yeah. Um, so Come this, join us again. <laughs> yes, yes, please do. This is Jim Shores. And Carol Anderson Shores. And we are... On the Front Porch. Yeah.